Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. What does motion sound like? With Kizikans Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. Freaking first cut. Golly! Welcome to the First Cut Podcast. I'm Rick Gaiman, and this is your recap episode for this week's Shriners Children's Open. Joining me to break it all down, Patrick McDonald is here. Patrick, good day. Good day, gentlemen. It's it's been a while. I think that's a Hoobastank song or or something along those lines. But uh, happy happy to see you guys. Your beautiful faces. Thank you. Uh, Greg Ducharme is also here. Greg Patrick uh, spent the week playing like nine rounds of golf at some of the greatest courses on planet Earth. I I know I didn't get an invite. Did you? Did you get an invite on that trip? I think it was lost. It must have been lost in the mail. Mm-hmm. Um, I changed my address about two years ago, Patrick. So maybe that was the confusion. But we can touch base offline so it doesn't happen again. You know, funny enough, when that did happen, I was with the Postal Service and I received that change of address form and I accidentally just threw it in in the shredder that day. <laughs> um, so this all it all adds up the math behind it, at least. Well, say this, Patrick, you're usually the jealous one when we're on site having having a blast. You you are making us jealous this this time around. So how, how was the trip? How'd you play? Give the people what they want to hear. It was it was fantastic. I went out to Big Cedar Lodge in the Ozarks. They have three eighteen courses: Payne's Valley, Tiger Woods design. Uh, it's kind of the the hot headliner there, and then a few par three courses as well. First hole of the entire trip, par five, driver six iron to two feet eagle. I thought I was going to burn the place to the ground. <laughs> the next hole, par three, I make a five, and then you just you get right back down to earth. But yeah, Rick, you come from your European summer, like three week vacation, and you DM me, be like, "Wow, you you didn't invite me." <laughs> Poor you, Rick. I, I am sorry. That is on me. I should have been better, but with the time change and the zones, I uh, I clearly got it mixed up. And Greg, with the change of address form that I uh, that I threw away back in the day. <laughs> Patrick appalled like I would have just changed my flight from Rome to where where do you even fly into Patrick? Uh it was Springfield, Missouri. And then okay. they, yeah. they uh they picked me up. So uh Patrick, uh, this I I actually had a chance to play golf on Friday too. One of my buddies is getting married and we played and uh I made a birdie at number one and my my partner says to me, Wow, Greggy, that could be uh that could be your last birdie of 2023. <laughs> 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 You're we're partners. <laughs> I birdied number two, uh, and that was my last birdie of 2023. <laughs> real, real, real good thing to put into the old the old noggin there. Uh, all right, gents. Well, listen, we have 
a champion here in Las Vegas. We've got to talk about that. We've got to talk about the uh, historic run that Lexi Thompson made at making this cut line. We've got to recap the bets. We got we got to get into everything here. So without further ado, the Shriners has a new champion and. It's kind of the old champion. Tom Kim successfully defends his title. Looking at the scorecards, got off to a little bit of a slower start this week, 68-68 on Thursday and Friday. He scorched TPC Summerlin on Saturday, a 62. And then, Greg, he puts together a 66 that was not without a little bit of a, a few nervy putts on Sunday. But when you add it all up, it's 20 under par, and it's good for a one-shot victory. There, um, there were some nervy putts down the stretch, some nervy moments, but all in all, uh, it was a very consistent week on the greens. He putted very well, and of the of the top guys in this event, he was the he was the best putter. You know, and, and most of the top guys were hitting the ball really well, having some good weeks uh, with their approach game, and Tom Kim was the best putter of those guys. Um, but the thing that he did really well down the stretch, despite some of those nervy putts is hit really high quality shots. You think about the shot into 15, even though he three putts it, I have to think that affected my, my boy, the desert Fox, Adam Hadwin with his second shot there, the shot at 17, another high risk shot. And he put, he put, hit it per the exact perfect shot on the exact perfect line. He did the same thing on 18. So he, with his ball striking down the stretch, he was able to really seal the deal. The stat line for this week, Patrick, was very Tom Kim-esque, especially at a place like TPC Summerlin that does not necessarily require distance. He was 48th in distance uh, driving-wise, third strokes gained approach, seven and a half strokes to the positive there. Fourth in putting, 5.7 strokes to the positive there. You hit a lot of shots close. You make a lot of putts. That's how you make birdies. That's how you win in Las Vegas. Yeah, it really was the perfect setup for him. And we were kind of talking about how the players that finished inside the top 50 are all kind of rising to the first page of the leaderboard here. And at the onset of the week, given long-term form, recent form, Tom Kim arrived with seven straight top 25s. The runner-up on the bum ankle at the open, obviously the famous bum ankle there, uh, and just playing some really solid golf. So it really felt like he was knocking on the door for a little bit there. But of his three wins, they've all kind of come in varying fashions. You think about the Wyndham Championship, nearly shooting like 57, it felt like, that Sunday at Sedgefield. Uh, the duel with Cantlay at this tournament last year and this one. This one was uh, really impressive to me just because – you see that middle portion of the front nine where he had a, a couple loose iron swings. They led to a couple drop shots, and you have guys all around you just making birdies. It felt like they would cut to someone else on the coverage, and it'd be like JT Poston makes a birdie to get within one. Cage Lee makes a birdie to get within one. I think there were 12 players within two strokes of the lead, uh, like right when he made the turn or something. And for him to kind of show that medal at 21 years of age. I always go back to like a Max Homa quote saying when he learned how to win, it's really, he doesn't have to be perfect on Sunday. That was a huge learning curve for him. He thought he had to play lights out 18 holes to win on the PGA tour. But you know, this is a perfect case of that. Not, not being true for Tom Kim and just having that resolve, that fortitude at 21 to mm -hmm. just be like, Hey, we're good. Two drop shots, we're going to be okay. Birdie's nine. 
three three more coming in and even with that three putt on 16 to you know get by that and and still win i thought it was a uh very impressive tournament even though this is kind of a tournament he should win too you know, Patrick hit a couple of points that I want to dive into a little bit, a little bit more, Greg, because, you know, rewind to this time last year. Uh, Tom Kim is on top of the world, right? He has won the Wyndham. He has played in the President's Cup. Uh, and, and then he has won this event and he's like 20 years old. And everyone is ready for whatever Tom Kim is going to just light this tour on fire and how many victories he is going to have in 2023 wasn't really the year he would have wanted. He played uh, much better, obviously, towards the end, as Patrick alluded to. He played overseas a couple of times as well. The stat profile started to come back, but now you get a, a third victory, and now you're talking about the fastest to three victories or the youngest to three victories, uh, you know, younger than Tiger Woods. You're the, the, the conversation's getting full circle again about maybe high expectations on Tom Kim. And, you know, they're um, they're worthy. And I think there's a few reasons. Every once in a while, you have players on the PGA Tour who win because something worked really well for one week. And that's a very different scenario. I mean, Cam Champ, who also was in the mix this week, uh, Cam Champ comes to mind for that, where he would kind of pop up and win and look like this great player, but it didn't feel like it really had staying power. Um, it was like, well, we got to get some more consistency now. When you see a win like this, this is coming on the heels of all that great performance that uh, that Patrick alluded to. But it also was the change from what happened for most of 2023. And after the fall last year, where he was on top of the world, as you said, Rick, he started to struggle on the greens a little bit. Uh, and all of a sudden, his results and his putting were kind of they went hand in hand and the putting wasn't great and the results weren't great. And ever since, say, the Scottish Open, he started to putt a whole lot better. Um, actually, putted a little better at the Rocket Mortgage. Uh, no, it was the Scottish Open. It was uh, since, ever since the Scottish Open. He's gained strokes in every single event putting. And the results have been top 25s in, in every single event. So and, and now it leads to a win. So this is a positive progression where the uh, actual attributes of his game improve and it leads to a win and it, and it leads you to believe that it, it can stay. It's not a fluke, you know, it's meant to be. And you start actually thinking about Tom Kim as a guy going into a tournament who should win. And that's a very rare thing on the PGA tour. Yeah. So how does this, or does it change, Patrick, your expectations of Tom Kim going into 2024? Or is this just, hey, he was best player in this field. He was the favorite. This is a great golf course for him. He should have beat up on these other dorks, and he did. As as the leader of the let's slow our roll <laughs> on the Tom Kim band wagon, um, I think it's the latter. It's a great win. He came in in great form. It's a great setup for him. And it's highly impressive that he won a tournament that, he should win. I, I think that's, uh, you know, an added layer of pressure to get through. And three wins, 21, unreal. Tiger Woods-esque. But I don't know if it really uh, changes my opinion of Tom Kim going into the 2024 season. Is it the just the distance? Right? You know, you think about guys who should win tournaments, guys who accomplish things 
that Tiger Woods accomplish. And you start to wonder how they do it. Um, and, and is this someone who can be dominant and you project forward into some of these designated events where you're going to be playing against the Roms and the Schefflers and the Rory's, and they all have this very clear advantage over Tom Kim. So I wonder if, if his success will be limited to certain golf course setups, you know, you know, certain places. I, I think like, it seems he gets the most out of his contention runs. And I just think that's very hard to sustain. Like when he's in every time he's been in it, he has won. Which is, I mean, very impressive, but hard to sustain at the same time. Examples to go against that. So I believe you, Patrick. Thank you. I didn't hear the first part of what you said. The but open. Thank you. The open. <laughs> But the open, he wasn't really in it, right? Because yeah. Brian Harmon had such a big lead. Yeah. Yeah, I get it. Well, successful title defense. Uh, the others to successfully defend since the start of the 2022 season, I'm sure have both of you looked in. Do you guys know the answer to this? If, if you've looked in the... If you've looked in the chat, you know the answer. All right, I'll, I'll tell the listeners. The, th- the three others to successfully defend, uh, Scotty Scheffler did it at Phoenix. Max Homa did it at the Fortinet. Rory McIlroy did it at the CJ Cup. And now Tom Kim has done it at the Shriners Children's Open. So four successful title defenses since the start of the 2022 season. The one-shot victory came over Adam the Desert Fox Hadwin and Greg, I'm obviously going to bounce this one uh, right to you here because Adam Hadwin went 67, 68, 63, 67. He rolled in a birdie putt on 18 to get to 19 under par, and the look was displeasure. I think I think I might have. Uh, seems like a nice guy. I don't read lips very well. I think I might have got an f bomb or two out of Adam Hadwin. I don't know. He's a Canadian. Maybe he said, "Oh shucks," instead. I'm not. <laughs> I'm not super positive, but we know exactly what he was thinking because he made bogey on 16, the par five, after hitting a second shot into the water, a hole that everyone has destroyed this week. And he's going to finish one shot out of a potential playoff. So it, I'm sure he is feeling like a big missed opportunity. Yes. And even after hitting it in the water on 16, um, he still had a putt. He had a great wedge shot and still had a putt for par. And Tom Kim was leaving the door wide open because he he three whipped it there. So that was like double disappointment. One, you think uh, I just gave this tournament away with one shot. Uh, and it was, I think, 206 yards. And he had a six iron and he just wiped it to the right. It came up short in the water and he didn't like it right away. Um, now Tom Kim had already hit it on the green. So I referred to that earlier. It, it was a high pressure shot for Adam Hadwin, and this time around, it it didn't work out, um, and and he ends up kind of squandering his chance, really, with the with the putt as it as it turned out. And but really, when I look at that shot, you look at the shot he hit into seventeen, and many of the shots that he hit earlier in the round, especially on the front nine. He was pretty loose with his irons today, um, and and it wasn't really just that shot. He he didn't hit a lot of shots close. He was scrambling around a lot more than the other guys who were up near the top of this leaderboard. 
Um, and he didn't give himself nearly the opportunities that everybody else did. I mean, only 13 of 18 greens today. He lost nearly three shots approaching the green. Uh, you're not going to win a tournament on the PGA Tour losing three shots approaching the green. It just it, it doesn't happen that way. So um, while 16 will get highlighted, and that's the disappointing one, it really was something that was uh, more of a compilation of the rest of the day, unfortunately. Yeah, losing losing three shots on approach in a single round is not one shot into uh, the water on 16. And Patrick, outside of that, the week was was very well-rounded for Adam Hadwin. He was phenomenal from tee to green. He's always going to be a very good putter. But, you know, there is going to be some significant level of disappointment when he lays his head, head down uh, to sleep tonight. Yeah, and I kind of thought it, it might have been his day when he uh, slam-dunked that one on the par five from distance with uh, a little bit of pace there. And then he hit that great drive on the drive bowl 15th and that was a fantastic putt he hit he definitely thought he made it and it just burned the low edge there and then to come back and just wipe that one right on 16 is uh it's very disappointing but i'm happy that he made that putt on 18 to kind of get out of that log jam and a tie for second make a little bit more money uh and so yes worry while about, it made about out of Hadwin's bank account while it Dude, the conversion rate between USD and CAD right now. Uh, and he right. just took seven <laughs> weeks off. The, the guy's probably broke go. at this point. It's like so, getting furloughed. <laughs> Adam Adam got furloughed. Um, so yeah, I'm. He's upset, obviously, but I'm sure you know he'll get over it. He's a he's a Canadian. He's you know high still low second. So nine, 19 under. He did get out of that log jam at the 18s. Four golfers there in a tie for third. Eric Cole, Alex Noren, JT Poston, Taylor Pendrith. Let's just go to Eric Cole, Greg. Uh, for some reason, the rookie of the year thing goes into the fall, which doesn't make any sense to me whatsoever because are you really going to have a guy like Eric Cole who's played great for 35 events and some rookie wins in the fall and finishes like I don't get that at all but Eric Cole continues to compile a, a phenomenal year he is in my eyes the runaway rookie of the year it should be over already uh technically but again puts himself in in contention with a great with a great Sunday this is the kind of thing we talked about um on well, Monday and Tuesday, right? Eric Cole, this mini tour legend, is used to going low and holding his breath. And it took a while for that to happen this week, uh, but it does on Sunday. And it was a near perfect round. Um, he was so sharp with his iron play. And it's so evident when you look at just his proximities. It seems like on his approach shots, he always hits it just a little bit better than than the average. Every once in a while, he stuffs it, but you know it's 15 feet instead of 17 feet. It, and, and these things just accumulate constantly through the round. So this was really impressive um, ball striking from him approaching the green. Even though he was 11th today uh, and fourth for the week, it really it it looked even better than that, uh, and and perhaps there were a few loose ones that kind of cost him statistically, but I thought this round approaching the green was absolutely phenomenal. And, and this is, oh, and w what does he do on top of that? He um he comes in twentieth on the greens, so he has a nice putting day. One of the two greens he misses, which was 
from 100 yards. He missed it into the back bunker on 11. He holds it from the bunker. You know, so and uh, he ends up leading the day in, in strokes gain around the green, even though he only missed two greens. So this was this was the Eric Cole that um, in the DFS community we play for, right? We this is what we expect, and this is the Eric Cole that wins him Rookie of the Year. So it's kind of vintage what we got today. Yeah, nine hundred sixty-two. So he bookends his week with a seventy-one on Thursday, a sixty-two on Sunday, a T three for Eric Cole. The other golfers there, Patrick, you can take this any direction you want. Alex Norin and Taylor Pendrith are the only two who are kind of vying for uh, positioning here in this FedEx Cup fall with JT Poston already locked into one of those 50 spots for next year. So nice to see uh, those two guys uh, play a little bit better golf and see if they can improve their standing. Alex Norin, it's uh, snub season. You think about last year when Mackenzie Hughes won the Sanderson Farms. We, uh, last week we had U.S. Ryder Cup snub Luke List win, and you could say European Ryder Cup snub Alex Norin is playing some good golf. And so, yeah, kind of quietly had a, a decent end to his summer. He played nice in Detroit, uh, put together a nice finish at the Open and the 3M. Um, but all in all, this season on the PGA Tour, Pretty quiet. So to see him come out, he still hasn't won on the PGA Tour. Uh, former top 10 player in the world. Remember that era in golf? Uh, <laughs> weird times. It, it's, that it's was cool. dirty. That was dirty when Alex Noren was playing, what, exclusively on the European Tour and was like ninth in the world. And it was, it was bizarre. It, it's cool to see him play. I love, I mean, that guy's just a grinder. He is a grooting grinder. He's always working on that move, like no matter what. He is the guy in the airport working on his golf swing. So it's great to see him play well. And uh, same with Pendrith, too, uh, who uh, he's just fun to watch, watch because he just absolutely mashes the ball. But today it really felt like he had a lot of chances to kind of, you know, take a hold of this tournament, it felt like, and he just couldn't get it going on the greens. All right, Greg, I'll give you last word here before we take a break, talk about Lexi and, and some other things that we have to get done here. A couple other uh, noteworthy items, in my opinion. Uh, Isaiah Salinda, Monday cues in and then finishes T7. That gets him into Mexico. Ludwig Oberg continues to play phenomenal golf, 62 on Sunday, moves up 29 spots and finishes in a tie for 13th. And Cam Champ, who is due for his once-a-year victory, played ridiculously good golf for three rounds, but a 74 on Saturday played him out of this event. Any one of those interesting to you? He has, uh, yeah, all of them, but I'll go, I'll go with camp champ. Cause I've been watching this guy since, well, I, he always catches my eye. He's, he's one of those players that when he gets on the leaderboard, I almost think of it, him in the way Patrick said, Tom Kim, every time he gets close, he wins. I had that notion for a long time with him. I don't think his game's there right now, but it's absolutely getting closer. I mean, you look at where he is after this week in the in the FedEx Cup fall. He's he's 127th. Okay, this was not a good year. And it, we have extreme, he has extremely good fortune that he gets this fall to kind of play his way back into things. Because Camp Champ's just too good to lose his PGA Tour card. You know, he, he is... Probably a top, I'll say, I'll be very conservative, a top 20 talent on the on the PGA Tour and does not play like it, uh, except for a few sporadic weeks. 
And, and I, I just think he's one of the most um, impressive players to watch. And he doesn't live up to it. But we're starting to see things come around with him on the greens, which I know he's been spending a lot of time working on. Um, and, and when he putts, he usually performs really well. So Saturday's round was really disappointing. Um, but but he's he's knocking on the door. And I wouldn't be surprised if by this time next year, Camp Champ had a another trophy in his resume. Seems to do it like clockwork once a year, uh, puts his name on a trophy and uh, impresses everybody. Okay, cool. Well, listen, we're going to continue this conversation. Uh, Lexi Thompson made a run at making the cuts, and we have to recap our best bets, which we did pretty decent on this week. But first, we're going to take a quick break and hear a word from our partners. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And we're back. Lexi Thompson was making history this week in Las Vegas, became the seventh female to ever tee it up on the PGA Tour. We have not had a woman make the cut in 70 years, I think, technically. 1952 was the last time we saw it. And she gave it a pretty darn good run here, Patrick, with five holes to play on Friday. She was within the cut line she made a bogey on number five that was she was finishing up on the front nine she made a bogey on number eight both of those are par threes and it uh sank her chances of making the cut but i think that she performed much better than anybody it myself included would have would have anticipated babe saharius was on the hot seat for those final seven holes uh shaken in her boots but I, I think overall, if you look at the PGA Tour, LPGA, and Lexi, it was a win across the entire board. Uh, she put together a great performance. She battled really tough there uh, to finish her first round, came out four under through 11, like you said, uh, there in the second round. And, I mean, injected a lot of life into this tournament Friday afternoon here on the East Coast that, look, I love the Shriners as much as the next guy, but – you know, the buzz around this tournament probably isn't what it is without Lexi there and, you know, her quest for history where, I mean, she had a really good chance to make the cut there, just needing to play her last seven holes in uh, one under par. So looks like her game's back on track after the Solheim Cup where she went three and one and then she's gone back to back top tens and then this performance. So I think it was a win across the board. I know people were kind of split on it. I would love for this to start the conversation of the PGA Tour kind of, you know, maybe get a Scandinavian mixed type tournament in the rotation here soon. They do it effectively on the DP world tour. I don't get why we couldn't do it on the PGA tour. I know this podcast in general is pro different formats, change it up when you can. 
uh, on the PGA Tour, and I think that would be a, a, re- a really cool way to do it. The Scandinavian pit, uh, mix, Patrick, real quick, that they they run the men and the women run simultaneously on the same golf course uh, from separate tees with different leaderboards, or that's the same leaderboard, different tees. Same leaderboard, different yeah. tees. Lynn Grant won by Lynn like Grant. nine strokes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, she went by nine strokes, but then like the next like twelve guys were men. Yeah, so it wasn't just like a tee box situation. Okay, right. That's what mm-hmm. I, that's what I want to get to. Um, you know, Greg, I think this is uh, one of the better ways to use a sponsor's exemption, right? Wh- whether you think that sponsors should be allowed to put guys in the field or girls in the field is one thing, right? YouTube doesn't get the opportunity to choose the 12th man on the bench of an NBA team in the NBA finals like that, that doesn't happen, but in golf it does. And there are a lot of different ways uh, to use these and they're unrestricted. So they're not necessarily taking spots from uh, others who are quote more deserving, but I'll tell you, I was out there and the, by far the largest crowds I've ever seen at the Shriners outside of like the final hole on Sunday were with Lexi on Friday, not even close. I have um I have no issue with someone like Lexi Thompson getting a, a crack at it for one of those sponsor exemptions. I run into issues when they're not golfers, you know, like the Tony Romo deal. Uh, that is, it, it doesn't feel right to me. You're re- going outside of your sport to draw a crowd. You know, you could have a comedian out there or something. But what's the like? What, why? What are we trying to do here? We, I have, gave uh, Taylor Swift a sponsor. I was invite. just gonna say the same thing, right? <laughs> we we could just get the most popular person. We do need we need the Swifties on this podcast for the numbies. <laughs> it it would help the numbies. It, yeah, it would. It would help. Just say it, but. Um, you know, it still is a professional golf tournament. So I like having a professional golfer and I was pleasantly surprised at, at the, um, uptick in conversation around the event. It really did draw, a, you know, it, it's, it's a funny thing. Cause you think about why would, um, an LPGA player, what would be the benefit of an LPGA player played on the PGA tour? And the thought would be, well, it takes PGA tour fans and would bring them to the LPGA tour. But I think what we found out is it actually took fans who were maybe not interested this week in the PGA tour and made them interested in it. So an LPGA player, you know, adds to the storyline for a PGA tour event, which I thought was pretty cool and uh, mildly surprising to me. I wasn't sure what kind of attention it was going to draw or if it was going to do anything. And I I think her play certainly helped as well. It made it a story through the first two days, which was really cool to watch her. Her game's really good. Um, which new, you know, nothing was proved there, but, um, but she can hang and it was fun to watch. Listen, it's, it's, I think Tony Romo finished last when he played, right? Like, I mean, it's just that that was kind of a lot of the expectation for for Lexi Thompson. She finished at even par and on and admittedly, I think she was trying to chip in on 18 to make the cut if she's playing to to get to one under, you know, even better. But I mean, Emiliano Grillo finished even par. Uh guys that we see, I mean, she played with Kevin Roy, beat him. Ben Griffin, who was in contention last week, beat him, beat Tyson Alexander, Carson Young, Ches Reevy. I mean, got guys that have contended recently 
So Patrick, I, I'm not, um, I am sympathetic to, I can't believe I'm going to say this. I don't, I don't actually mean this, but I am sympathetic to sponsors in the fall, which mm. I'm not actually sympathetic to the sponsors, but they have kind of been dealt a very difficult hand where you're almost guaranteed to not get the top players because of the format and it's just a very awkward thing to say you're especially this fall to say you're not in the season you're after the tour championship it's just very very bizarre and i thought that this was a really good innovative use of shriners being able to say okay like listen we can still find something that is a draw that is exciting that like greg says does not make this look like some type of uh, Hail Mary because we go get t Tony Romo or somebody who's outside of golf. I thought it was a pretty good use of that side of it as well. It was fantastic. And I, I, I totally agree where these fall tournaments are pretty low T, uh, just not, not a ton of buzz or energy around them. So any way a sponsor can add to that with, with a sponsor's exemption or whatever it may be, uh, I think is an avenue they have to take. And I know I, I pitched the co-ed tournament, but maybe we get a PGA Tour guy on the LPGA next and, and kind of flip the script on that. That's never happened before. Um, it's 2023, so I feel like the roads are both going in and out, potentially. I think is the prime candidate to go and play on the LPGA. Ooh, um, who would be a prime candidate? Maybe, uh, you know, I think it would be poetic if Peter Malnati did. <laughs> because <laughs> peter malnati he quickly corrected himself let's call it a gimmick earlier this week yes so i'm pitching for peter malnati to get okay. a sponsor's exemption on the lpga all right we'll see if we can see if we can uh make that happen greg um we're gonna kind of recap uh our, our bets here in a minute but anything else stand out to you this week i have one other thing i want to pitch to you guys but anything else that um we might have missed on or is worth the conversation. Um, geez, Cam Davis is really good. He impressed me. <laughs> uh, he's he's going to win if he keeps playing in the fall. He's going to win one of these next events. The, his ability to just jump out in streaks is incredible. Um, Joel Damon is really impressive to me. Led the field in strokes gain off the tee this week, which yeah. was pretty cool. Um, so I was definitely Im impressed with him. Um, yeah, Lonto Griffin and Camp Champ, both of those two players kind of looking like they're on a little bit of a comeback trail. Some disappointing rounds, but um, some much better play. So thrilled for Lonto getting his game back after back surgery. Um, and I think that's I, th I think that's pretty much okay. the main storylines for me. My pitch is uh, more around the branding of the event. So so I think about this a lot on the PGA Tour, Patrick, where if I dropped you on the fourth green at like 30 different PGA Tour stops, you couldn't tell me which one you were at. They're, like, it, they're just kind of all the same. You know you're in Phoenix or you, you might know you're at Riviera or whatever, but there, a lot of them are the same. And I was out there this week in Las Vegas, which is one of the best branded cities in the world. And you would never know you were in Las Vegas when you were at that event, right? Like why are, 
Why aren't the tea boxes dice? Why isn't there neon everywhere? Why, where are the showgirls? Where are like, like it is literally, it is almost as if they're trying to fool you into thinking you're not in the most well-branded city. And I felt, I, I feel like that's a miss in a lot of places, especially here. Definitely in Las Vegas. Maybe not so much in some stops on the PGA Tour, but... Yeah, like Jackson, I, no no offense to our friends in Jackson, um, that's fine. But like, this is this city's like literally the best branded city in the world. Yeah, I mean, you would know better than anyone, one living there and, and attending the tournament. And I tend to agree with a lot of what you say, re the back end PGA Tour stuff, so... Tell them to figure it out, Rick. You know, give them a, a five-point plan to fix the Shriners Children Open. First, I think everyone needs to play with that cool hat that everyone wears. I don't know what you call those, but the one with the... Okay. Have them play, play in that. That's step one. At the very least, if, as if all the defending champions should have to wear them. Yeah. <laughs> Just so that we know. Yeah. You know, Rick, I... um. I like the concept you bring up here because there's something we always want to go to format when we want to change things up in the game of golf. And uh, every time we try something new, it, it kind of feels like we learn why we play 72 hole stroke play because it's, right. it's the best format, you know, but it, it gets monotonous, but if there are things you could do surrounding a 72 hole stroke play event that don't take away from, the actual competition on the golf course, you can give a much more unique feel to each event. And in a place like Las Vegas, uh, you know, a place like Phoenix where you have what you have at the, the WM um, that, you know, that entire setup is a brand, you know, like, like it's a well-known thing and it feels like you could do something in Vegas that would be, similar with the Las Vegas twist. I'm not saying it has to be a huge party, but right. you're you're right. There are, there are things you can do to make it very unique. And and I think I that every event do right. that. Right. I think I think at Riviera uh, the cart paths should be red carpet and they should have Hollywood walks of stars with golfers names on them, right? Like like buy into the it has nothing to do with the golf, but it's like, "Oh my god, I'm going to this event." When F1 comes to Vegas, they just said what would be the most Vegas thing we can do? Mm, we'll just drive on the strip, right? Like literally the most Vegas thing they can do, it, and they did it. And obviously there's a lot of money and logistics, but give me one ounce of that. Like give me one ounce of what F1 said. When we're, we're going to be in Vegas and you're absolutely going to know it, give me one ounce of that. And kind of piggyback off the Ryder Cup and how good Europe – social media is you could almost do and i have i have friends on the pga tour social media team and they're fantastic but you could do something you know like a driving challenge on the strip you see it all the time on like different racetracks for on the european team or you could follow someone around like gambling there in las vegas i know they don't like cameras in but come on you're the pga tour <laughs> yeah exactly get tommy tables in there just running the craps like stuff like that could really lean into the city and and showcase the city at the same time my plan and i'll submit it to uh the powers that be uh gentlemen we need to recap our best bets see how we did for this week but first we're going to take a quick break and hear a word from our partners 
You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel, streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app. New CBS Sunday. You collect rewards, right? This is how I make my living. When something is lost, everyone's looking for something. He finds it. You strong swimmer? So-so. So-so. So-so's okay. Justin Hartley stars. I survive. You make quick, smart decisions. If you never let panic take the wheel. Sounds cool. It is cool, actually. Very cool. Tracker. New Sunday on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Best Bets uh, brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook because they make every moment more. Our matchups, two and two this week. Nikolai Hoygaard over Emiliano Grillo. That was easy because Grillo missed the cut. Adam Svensson over Lucas Herbert. Check mark there. Uh, Garrett Higo beat Christian Bezadenhout. That was a loser. And Patrick, I'll bring you in here because we didn't get your picks uh, for this week. Mark had a doozy. He had Bo Hostler over Eric Cole. Now, I don't need to remind you that Bo Hostler beat basically everyone but Eric Cole in this event. Tough to bet against the Cole train in the fall. <laughs> he, he's just, uh, he's a grinder. You don't really want to pick on him, I don't think. Um, and Mark, I know uh, it looked like he was heavy on uh, Bo Nose this week and uh, close to a good bet, but unfortunately it was not. Close to a good bet, but unfortunately was not. Could be the name of a sports the betting segment. Book. Yeah, exactly. yeah, exactly. Brought to you by Patrick. Um, the finishing position market, Greg, it was no surprise you went to Adam Hadwin, top 20, and he never made you sweat there. A runner-up finish, plus 170, and you just continue to make money off the Desert Fox. Yep. Uh, Could have gone – you know, I was thinking about it. Should I – Make my matchup an Adam Hadwin matchup. Yeah, I should. I should have. I was thought about it. Should have. Should I have it had an outright on Adam Hadwin? Yep, I should have. Uh, in, in the best bets on our next slide, should that have been an, another Adam Hadwin prop? Uh, yes, it should have. But no, I went a little soft with just the top 20. He, he was coming off seven weeks off, which is why I was a little tempered. Uh, kind of just going on course history at that point. And it worked out. So I'm, I'm happy to get a little bit of green on the board here with this one. Uh, Kyle had Cam Davis top 10. That was plus 260. I had Harry Hall top 20. He finished 26th. And Charlie Hoffman for Mark to finish inside the top 20. Charlie Hoffman missed the cut with a pair of 70s. Uh, none of us had Tom Kim in the outright market. There were a few Ludwig Obergs, a couple of Tom Hoagies, Adam Spencer, Aaron Ride, Justin Suh, and Bo Hostler. So we whiffed there. But the best bets, the extra guys, there we go. A couple of winners here, uh, thanks to Kelly Kraft finishing inside the top 40 at plus 180, and Adam Svensson finishing top 20 at plus 190 so that patrick means that kyle got his matchup his finishing position and his best bet correct and he's not even here to gloat about it this is pretty impressive stuff uh i think the boys are just made for the fedex cup fall <laughs> to tell you the truth <laughs> the money is rolling in and i mean with this new uh 
this new deal that I'm just finding out about live on air. I think we got it. We got to get some boost in the mix somehow, some way. We got to boost some of these best bets moving forward. So I, so my friends at FanDuel, who uh, obviously pay for this segment because they make every moment more. Uh, what they like to do, Patrick, is they love a good like parlay, right? Like a, like a good little single game parlay. And I'm thinking that there's an opportunity to take Patrick's positivity parlay, give it a little bit of a boost. Maybe here's a couple of guys to make the cut. You crank it up a little bit. You put it in on FanDuel. The first cut peeps go in there. They fire away and everybody's happy. Now we're talking. Now we're talking. I, I don't, I mean, I, that's a lot of pressure, but I'm up for the task. That is matchmaking. Right. Yeah. I mean, I listen, synergies. Know. These are partnerships, synergies. This is what we're supposed to be doing. Josh, call, call our FanDuel guy and let him, let him know. That's what we want to do. Do we have a line to the FanDuel guy? I'm not sure we do. We'll find out. For the first time, and it's been, this is now week three of seven in the fall, uh, only Mark is a loser. We've got four winners here on the best bets. That is like Greg. It's our last birdie of the year. This might be the last time you ever see this. I don't. I don't think so, Rick. That's all I have to say. I mean, you look at Mark. Mark has an opportunity to turn it around. He's he's got you know a very small number of units here. He's zero two. He's zero two. I mean, he could turn that around in an instant. Have you, have you seen that guy play one and done? Unfortunately. That's, that's yeah. true. Yeah. Um, okay, gents. Well, they, oh, there's the there's the net standings. Oh, Mark's up 200. And what did he do? Did he pick a winner? What? Mark's up 291% in the fall. He's up 580 bucks. He picked Luke List or what? Josh says that might be wrong. So yeah, I'm up more than real five. confident. Yeah, that <laughs> might be a decimal. We're off a decimal place. Maybe I'm up five hundred eighty-three dollars. Yeah, that's that's the that's the correction that needs to be made. Just slide that over to Patrick's column, uh, gents. So we are headed to Japan, the Zozo, and it's got the likes of Colin Morikawa. It's got the likes of Xander Shoffley, Hideki Matsuyama back in action. Greg, we are heating up for a goodie. And if it's anything like this week where the guys that are already inside the top 50 uh, fill up the top of the leaderboard, then it'll happen again in Japan. So, you know, of the seven guys to make the cut that were already in the top 50, uh, you had five of them in the top seven, T7 or better. So that, maybe that happens again and we get some some really good names on top of the leaderboard next week. Patrick, do you have any uh, Tokyo recommendations for anybody who might be traveling over there? I've not been. Um, my my grandmother is from Tokyo. My mom was born in Tokyo. Um, we should but make a trip. yeah, my my grandma doesn't want to go back because then you have to like you have to give gifts to all your relatives there. Wow. And she's like she's she doesn't really vibe with with that part of the family anymore. Yeah. So. Gifts for everybody? No, uh, no. that's yeah, too much. too much. She's a little stingy too, so good for her. Yeah, I I agree. I st I stand by Grandma McDonald. Um, all right, well, gents, let's get out of town here. We will be back Monday, Tuesday, Sunday of next week. Although I wonder if Sunday is going to be 
timing a little bit different because of the final round and the time change. We will get all that information and we will pass it along to you when we find out. Big thanks to producer Josh for all the hard work behind the scenes. Patrick McDonald available online at Amateur Status. You can find Greg Ducharme at The Real GFD and you can find me at Rick Run Good. This has been The First Cut. We'll catch you next time.